I love being the underdog. If you have a dream, that is yours. It's not theirs. Anyone can have an opinion on it, but the only ones that matter is yours. What is up, everyone? I'm Kyle, and I am the host and founder of the Freedom to Fail podcast and Fail Nation, a community where failing while pursuing our dreams is a positive and taking uncertain chances is celebrated. This podcast is for those who have a dream of starting a business or doing something they've always dreamed of, but have been held back by their fears. Our purpose is to share the unsuccessful stories of successful people so that you can learn how to take the first steps towards achieving your dreams. You deserve to live a life full of freedom and free of fear. Let's do this. All right. I'm here with Corbin Kafusi today. How are you doing, man? I'm good. Doing well. Good. Man, we go back to the good old days at Timview High School, right? <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately, well, fortunately for me, unfortunately for you, I was a Provo Bulldog, the better school. <laughs> but I had to go to Timview to take AP stats because it wasn't offered at Provo High. So point goes to Timview on that one. But anyway, in that class is when I got to know Corbin. I remember that. So good old times. That, that was good times. But yeah, tell us about you, man. Like, what have you been up to lately? Just give us a little bit of background of of you, like growing up and what you're up to, so our listeners can get to know you a little bit. Yeah, so I'm I'm just a Provo boy through and through. I always tell people that I'm just a Provo kid. Uh, grew up here in Provo, lived in Salt Lake until I was nine, and then moved down to Provo, and then I've lived here ever since. And went to Timpview High School, and then from Timpview went to a year BYU, then went on a LDS mission to Korea to Seoul, Korea, and then came back and started back at BYU. And yeah. And tell our listeners how tall you are so they can kind of see because you were there serving your mission in Korea. Yeah. So I'm, I'm about, I'm 6'10", around there, like flat-footed, 6'9 and 3 quarters, but we're 6'10". So I definitely stood out in Korea because you don't, hardly anyone breaks six foot over there. Yeah. You are just a man among boys over there, I'm sure. So I want to hear a little bit about you, what your background is and what you're up to right now. Tell the listeners a little bit about what you're getting ready for because I know it, but they don't know it. So I want to just hear from you. Yeah. So for me, I'm, you know, I was at BYU and I graduated actually last April. And then from there, I've just been playing football this last semester. But um, yeah, so I was at BYU and I was playing football and it was great. And then, you know, football season ended and... Then I had some surgeries because I got injured during the football season. So I've just been recovering from that and training to get ready for this upcoming NFL draft. Awesome, man. So what injuries did you go through? What have you been dealing with? Yeah, so it's it's kind of been a lot of a lot of random injuries, but it's weird because I had never been injured in football before. Like even throughout high school, I I've actually had more injuries playing basketball than I had football. So people are always like, oh, why don't you play basketball? It's like, oh, well, I've actually had less injuries in football till now. So the first game of the year, I tore the tendon on my pinky finger. And so my pinky finger wasn't able to straighten at all. And then midway through the year, I tore part of my tricep. And then three games before the end of the season, I had a syndesmosis problem. So it's like a high ankle sprain, but it tears all the ligaments instead of just like sprains them. Wow. That's a lot. You got hit all at once then all in one year. You got everything. Oh yeah. It was, I guess it was like just the buildup, you know, the, yeah. the karma buildup for being healthy for as long as I was. So walk us back through that, that experience then with you going through those injuries, how did it feel or how did you feel getting injured with your pinky first and then feeling like you were getting better, but then having another one and then just back and forth over and over again. How were you feeling in those moments? The biggest thing I learned from the pinky finger 
I was like, I always thought, oh, pinky fingers, nothing. It is surprising how much you use your pinky finger in everyday life. Like literally my pinky finger was stuck like this, like couldn't move either way. It was just stuck there. And so it got caught on things, got caught in my pocket, got caught on things all the time. In the game, I had to wear a brace. It was almost like a cast that I just wrap on there. And all of your grip strength comes from those bottom three fingers. And so not having my pinky, it was just so weird. And even like being able to push dudes around it, that was kind of a, it was weird. So to start off with the pinky, it was one of those things that was a shocker. I was like, I wish I could have just cut it off and played without it, you know? But then, you know, I started to get used to it. And it's funny because as soon as I started to get used to it, like then I did my tricep. But the thing with my tricep was I didn't, we didn't know what it was at first. So I was playing and just felt, it just felt really weak. I, almost like I had a big bruise on it. You know, you know, when you hit your funny bone and you're like, oh, that feels weird. It kind of felt like that, but I didn't really know. And so then the doctors were like, oh yeah, we can't find anything wrong. And so went the next week and just wore a little brace on it. And then literally during a workout, like I couldn't even do a push up. And so finally the doc's like, if you really want, we could MRI it. And I was like, let's MRI it just to see. Cause you know, you start to feel like a baby if you don't know exactly what's going on. Like if you're just injured without knowing exactly what's happened. Yeah. So then we went to the MRI and it was one of those things where literally you always know it's worse than they expected when you're there longer than you're supposed to be. Cause I've had plenty of MRIs and the ones where nothing's really wrong or lasts only like 20, 30 minutes. But this one I was, I was at the hospital doing MRIs and scans for like four hours. Wow. It was a weird situation because it was just so dramatic. Like I get a call from the doctor for my trainer and they're like, you're done for the season. Like that's just what they start off with. We're going to rush you into surgery either tomorrow or the next day. And you're done. And I was like, what, what? Like it was all just kind of like crashing down. And I was like, Oh my gosh. And I remember I went to practice that day, but just walked out there in normal clothes. And everyone's like, what are you doing? Like, aren't you ready for practice? And I was just like, apparently my tricep is torn and I have to get surgery tomorrow. And so it was, it was kind of a roller coaster because you know, you, they tell you one thing and then it's like, Oh, how bad is it? But then luckily, like after talking with the docs and they realized that I had done it like a week and a half ago and played on it still and had one of my best games. They're like, well, I guess we could go like day to day. Like you can practice and if it pops in practice, then get surgery. And so it was just kind of a day to day thing. And then I started to get used to that. And it was like, okay, like we're getting used to having this big elbow brace for my tricep, the, the pinky brace. It's all right. But then the ankle happened and that was the exact same story. Literally, I thought that I just sprained my ankle in the game and I'm like, okay, we just need some more tape, maybe a little bit of pain medicine for that. But then as I tried the next week to like go on, I was like, okay, it doesn't quite feel right. And we even, we got an x-ray and the x-ray didn't show anything. And so it's not broken. So I sat and I was like, oh, okay, then I guess we're fine. Like maybe I am just being a baby and like need to just, just grind this out. But then it was the same thing. The doc's like, oh, well, if you really want, we could get an MRI. And thank goodness I have past experiences because an old, a young me would have been like, oh, okay, we're fine then. But I was like, oh, let's get an MRI. And after the MRI, it was like, oh, you don't have any ligaments in your ankle right now. And I was like, oh, that makes sense. Like it's gratifying just because, you know, you don't feel like a baby. You know, you're like, okay, I'm not hurt for nothing. Yeah, for sure. So, Going through those experiences, like especially being in the MRI, just in the waiting room and stuff, waiting to get the results, what were your feelings when the doctor told you that with the triceps specifically that you were done for the season? What were your thoughts in that moment? It was just a ton of different emotions and feelings from that. I'd say for me, the worst was because I literally had just had my best game and then he said, you're done. And 
I don't know, I had set some goals before the season that I wanted to reach. You know, I wanted to have this many sacks and this many tackles and be able to look like this. And I had done okay up to that point, but getting those goals cut off was a big deal for me because my other goal was to make it into the NFL. And without a great season, that makes it a lot harder. And so the initial reaction was, it wasn't exactly sad, but it was kind of like frustration with it all. Like, ah, dang, like, why, why does this have to happen to me right now? There's got to be something I can do about it. And then going out to practice was even harder because you see all your teammates out there, you know, all your brothers, and you're just like, sorry, guys. And they're all just looking at you confused. And then it's weird because everyone kind of starts to treat you different too when they find out you're hurt. They're like, oh my gosh, you're hurt. You're out for the season. And everyone's trying to sympathize with you. But I don't know. I Like as much as I love like people sympathizing with me, it's like, I don't need people to come up and tell me like, oh, we're sorry for your loss. It's like, I'm, I'm going to be fine, but it's just annoying. You know, you don't want to feel like you're, you need anyone to really pick you up. Yeah, I definitely get that. I played soccer all through high school and everything too. And there's one season where I had a, a fractured leg and I didn't know it. And same thing, I played on it for like a month and a half and just never got better. And so I finally went in and got x-rays and stuff. And they're like, dude, what are you doing? Like, this is not good. Like you have to sit out for the rest of the season. You can't play on it at all. It wasn't as big leagues because I was like 14 or 15 at the time. Hey, it's still, that's still big enough. (laughs) Yeah. It was just like, that was the best team that I had ever been on. Like we were doing Mm -hmm. super well. And so the fact that I had to just like sit out and not play the rest of the year was just, it was crushing for my goals and my dreams personally as well. So I can definitely relate to that. But it is funny how you say like a lot of times people, especially when you're a really good athlete at a popular school, I'm sure you get a lot of people that come up and they're like, oh man, like, what are you going to do? And they just over dramatize everything. Oh yeah. I'm kind of a, I'm more of a positive mindset person. And so people are always like, when they come up and they're kind of negative about the whole situation, I'm like, I'm going to be fine. It's all going to be okay. But they like keep trying to make it more dramatic and more negative and they like almost want to see you sad about it and it's like there's times to be sad but now's not one of them (laughs) yeah for sure i get that let's talk a little bit about just you in general like with your life up to this point what would you consider to be your biggest challenge or failure or difficulty that you've had to face in your life i think one that i faced all growing up and even throughout college was I was always the little brother. I was kind of the the forgotten kid. You know, I'm the middle child of five and my older brother and sister are just studs. My little brother and sister are studs. But I remember like being my older brother's, being the little brother was something that I always like kind of have held as one of those things that was on my back all growing up. Because my older brother, he was, he's very different than me. Opposite as in he was, he grew really quick and early. You know, he was unbelievable at sports from a young age. He was kind of the golden child. And so I always struggled with just trying to live up to that expectation. And I think one of the biggest problems I had was like, I always had to compare myself to him and like try to be on the same. I thought I had to be on the same level as him. And so that was kind of a, I remember I went through a lot of hard times because of that. Yeah. I think that's something that we all go through to some extent, especially I'm sure being a middle child with the family, but even just in general, like I'm the oldest and I only have one little sister, but I know that I've compared myself a lot to everyone just trying to make sure I'm on their level or trying to make sure I'm better than them and stuff because I feel like I should be doing better than I'm at. And 
it can be really debilitating in a way, just really like paralyzing for your personal growth because you're so focused on what someone else is doing that you don't actually focus on yourself. What are some of the things that that you did to be able to, I don't know if I overcome is the right word, but what are some of the things that you did to be able to move forward with that and stop comparing yourself to those people or outside sources? Yeah, I think there's, there's a few things that I had to do. And some of them were, it was interesting because at least for me, because it's, it wasn't something that was bad. It was like, I love my older brother and I idolize him and I still do, but it's learning to be comfortable with yourself. And I remember I had this football coach at Tiffany High School. So he was 73 years old. His name was Bobby Cowley. And he's just like the old Hawaiian guy, just the nicest dude in the world, but also just super real with, you, you know, keeps it real. And we called him Uncle Bobby. And I remember he came up to me during football practice one day and was like, Corbin, he grabs me by the helmet and then like puts his head up again. It was almost, it's almost like talking to Rafiki from Lion King. And I was like, okay, he's got something for me. And he comes up and he grabs me and he goes, I want you to know that you are Corbin. And I was like, all right, where are you going with this, Uncle Bobby? And he's like, you are not Bronson. So don't be Bronson. And I was like, and at first, I won't lie, I was kind of offended by that. I was like, wow, like what the heck? But then as I thought about it, it was probably the greatest little advice I could have had at the time, like being as young as I was, because, you know, being yourself, it takes courage, but more than anything, it takes a desire. Like you have to want to be yourself. And I, I feel like a lot of people, when it comes to comparing, at least for me, it's like I was comparing myself so much that I didn't want to be me. I just wanted to be them. And it's okay to want like certain attributes or things that other people have, but you have to learn to do it in your own way. And mm-hmm. so, because you can't lose yourself in the process. Yeah. And so that was probably some great advice I had. And then the other thing was just taking any opportunity I had to just like be myself. Like it's one thing to be like, okay, I'm going to be me. But then when it comes to situations, it's all about like acting on that, you know, and instead of being like, oh, I think Bronze would do this. It'd be like, oh, you know what? I'm going to do this because I enjoy doing this. Yeah. that That's a really good point. I hadn't thought about it that way, but it's true. A lot of times people just, they see someone that they look up to and they respect and they try and model their lives as those people, or they try to become those people in a fake way, but then mm-hmm. they're never good enough because they're never that person. So they always feel inferior to that other person. When in reality, like you said, if you just start accepting yourself, then you're going to be the best you that anybody can be. Mm-hmm. If someone tries to mimic you, they're not going to, they're not going to even come close because you are you. And that's a great piece of advice that your coach got or that your coach gave to you. I don't know if many people really get that advice. Like no one ever told that to me, but that's huge. I just did another interview where he said the, basically the same thing. One thing that people struggle with is just trying to be someone that they're not. And that just is a huge setback for us in our lives and for pursuing our goals because we are never going to reach our best selves by trying to become someone else. So thanks for sharing that. Let's talk a little bit more just about some of your failures and some of your past experiences with that. Are there any mm-hmm. moments in your career, like with basketball or football that stick out to you in terms of failing or just falling short of your goals? Absolutely. I think one that definitely rattled me a little bit was my sophomore year of basketball at BYU. I was I had started the good like three quarters of last the season before my freshman year 
and I was a walk on that year. And that had its trials in its own because I, I turned down a football scholarship to pay for school and be a walk on to be on the basketball team. And so that, you know, had struggles, but then I, I finally caught my footing, you know, and I was in the door and things were going well. And I had started every game of my sophomore year. And then we went and had a tournament in Oahu, the diamond head classic. And we lost the first game. And it, I had, I didn't do very good in the first game. Like it was an okay game, but it wasn't anything to be proud of. And then the next game I got benched like this com- kind of completely out of left field. And I didn't play a single minute in that second game. And so my family's like, are you okay? Like, did you get hurt? Like what's going on? And I was, it was weird because I just was shocked by it. You know, I had no idea that I didn't think that was going to happen. No coach had talked to me, but literally it was just, I went from playing, you know, 30 minutes a game to zero. And it was definitely, I felt, I felt like a failure. Cause I was like, how does this happen? Like literally two games before I had like one of my best games ever against long beach state. And we lost that game, but I had like 20 and 10 or something like that. And I was riding high. And then literally it was just, all gone the net that game and i just remember sitting there after that game and thinking like what is going on and that's probably one of those failures that i had that literally had to make me recheck myself and then the next game it wasn't like i went from zero back to starting again it's like the next game i had like maybe two or three minutes and it was just little bursts and i kind of had to get back in the mindset of like back to when i was a walk-on and it was like you're fighting every day to get more and even though I, you know, a lot of times you want to you think to yourself, oh, I'm outplaying these dudes. Why am I not starting? But in reality, it all comes down to like, what does your coach want? You know, you might be outplaying them on your scale or in your head, but to him, you're not. So you have to figure out, you kind of have to align that. Like, what does he want from you? And how can you have more of that kind of an output instead of what you think you need to output? So what did you learn from that experience? What are some of the biggest takeaways that you gained from that? and how you use that to move forward and grow from that experience. I think the main thing that I learned from that is to always be hungry. And it wasn't because I wasn't hungry before, but I had felt a little, just like a little bit more comfort because I had earned this. And even like talking to the coaches before I was like, I felt like pretty set where I was at, but it doesn't matter what other people tell you, you know, what you hear or what you think, like you always have to have a chip on your shoulder. And you always have to be competing. Like everything is a competition and to never, ever like let up. Like I remember before that, it wasn't that I'd go easy in practice, but I wouldn't, I probably go, you know, a hundred percent every couple plays instead of a hundred percent every play. And then after that, it's like, you know what, even if it is a walkthrough, I'm going to go a hundred percent to give them no reason at all yeah, to not play me. It's like what you said before, you base, like you have to have a walk on attitude of trying to prove yourself and your worth because I mean, you can get to the point, especially if you're on scholarship where you feel like you're set and you have just like the, your position and stuff, but walk-ons, they can get cut. They don't get school paid for or anything like that. And mm-hmm. so just having that mentality of going out and grinding day in and day out, pretending like you are the last man on the bench and you have to work your way up every single day. I know for me in sports, that was the case. A lot of times I got complacent and I was like, okay, I'm good where I'm at. And I would just stop taking it as seriously. And I wouldn't put in the amount of work that the people behind me were putting in. And then they eventually passed me because they were still putting in that work. 
And that's just one of my big regrets from sports and from soccer specifically, just because I got complacent in a lot of ways. And now in business, just having my own business and doing my own thing, I can see the similarities and stuff. Like there are days where I'm like, okay, I've got it made. And then I realize that on those days when I think that way, I'm not doing anything. I'm not doing the work that I know I should be doing to pursue my goals and to grow. I'm just being stagnant and complacent. And when I do that, that means that the other companies who are out there grinding, who have that walk-on mentality are going to end up passing me if I can't flip that switch back on again. So I, I think that's super big for everyone, regardless of whatever you're doing. You have to always wake up and pretend you're starting from zero again. Each day is a new day and you have to earn everything day in and day out there. Moving with forward with that, we know that that was something you learned from football and stuff, but how do you use failure or how do you use your setbacks in football now with these injuries and everything that you've gone through to move you forward and push you towards success? How did you use those injuries to motivate you to get to the point where you are now on the verge of playing in the NFL and, and fulfilling one of your lifelong dreams? It's a plain and simple answer for me. I love being the underdog. I've always just loved the mentality of being the underdog. My favorite movie as a kid was Rocky. And I just love that. You know, I love guys that no one expects to do something. And then they just come out and just shock everyone. I'm shocking people. And I just love having that factor. And so when I had these setbacks and whatnot, it was one of those things where, yeah, it's a bummer. And could I have done a lot better? You know, would my draft stock have been a lot better? Absolutely. If I hadn't been injured. But at the same time, I just love the idea of, like we were talking about earlier, having that grind mindset where it's like, I love it because now I'll come in and no one will expect me to be good. And then I can't wait to blow them out of the water. And so carrying that mindset with me throughout my whole life has been the biggest thing that has helped me. And it's like, no matter what, like you have to have a vision of who you are. And my vision is like, I'm a competitor. I'm an underdog. I'm just like a dog in general. And so you have to have that mindset because when setbacks come, if you have that mindset, that doesn't, it doesn't change anything because you were already in the mindset. You're already there. You already knew you're at the bottom anyways, or you're acting as if you're from the bottom. That's a super important point that you bring up right there. I think too many people out there have, they don't have a set identity. And so when mm-hmm. things come up, they sway with who they are and what they're going to do. But if you can establish for yourself who you are, and what you're going to do in those situations beforehand, then when those moments come, you already have something to fall back on. So you're not going to move away from your path or anything like that. So Exactly. Yeah. Like for me, it was if I hadn't been hurt and I was just training for the combine, I'd be working out five or six hours a day. And then I got hurt, but you just plug in something else. Like I'm not going to be training five or six hours. Let's do three hours of rehab and two hours of treatment And you're just plugging things in because you already know that you're going to be putting in this much time. Exactly. So you are so close to getting to the NFL. I'm super excited to see you get in there and just play and do your thing there. Thanks, man. I know everyone out there listening to this also has dreams and they have goals that they want to accomplish in their life. But what do you think stops people from pursuing those dreams? Because I know there are so many people out there listening that have dreams but haven't done anything to get closer to those dreams. What is your opinion on that? Ooh, I love this question because I love listening to motivational speakers and stuff like that. Like one of my favorite little talks of all time was Arnold Schwarzenegger's like six rules about that. 
And I think for myself, the biggest thing was just not caring about others' opinions. Like if you have a dream, that is yours. It's not theirs. And so anyone can have an opinion on it, but the only ones that matter is yours. And so, and the thing is, you might have like your inner circle of people, but even they can doubt your dream. Even they can say something or even they can doubt whether you can do things or not. And so literally it just comes down to you. Because I've had plenty of people have dreams, but their inner circle, even their family, their closest family members say, I don't know if that's a good idea. And of course you trust those people, but at the same time, you have to trust yourself and you have to ask yourself, do I trust my mom or dad more than myself? And it's like, I trust them a ton. They're probably two on the list, but number one's got to be yourself. I love the way that you worded that. That's something that I've dealt with too. And I think everyone, like you said, there are a lot of times where people that we trust just really, they try and tell us like, oh, be, be realistic, create more realistic goals. And I think mm-hmm. that's one thing that for me was a struggle because I'm the only entrepreneur in my family. Like they're not entrepreneurial at all. And so whenever I would have this new idea, they're like, they tell me out of love and out of worry for me and my well-being, they, they're like, okay, well, let's really think about this. Like, is this really a good idea? I don't know how realistic this is going to be. Like you should do something else and all this stuff. And finally, they've gotten to the point where they're like, okay, you're old enough. You can do whatever you want. We don't care. Yeah. (laughs) But before then, like it was really hard for me because I would have all these goals and I would have these huge visions of what I wanted to accomplish. And Mm -hmm. then my family or my friends would say, all right, whoa, hold on, take a step back, push pause on your dreams because I don't know if you're going to be able to do that. And that's something that can really detain a lot of people. I would say that's not a bad reason at all. It's your family and your friends, people that you trust. And so obviously you want to take that into consideration, but I love what you said. You have to be number one in who you trust the most. And so if you believe that that's your dream, yeah, you can consider what they're saying, but it shouldn't change at all how you believe in yourself. So I love Mm -hmm. that. Let's get into our lightning round really quick. Oh, okay. Yeah. I just want to hear your opinions about all this stuff. So first, what would you say is your biggest fear in life? Biggest fear would be probably being alone. (laughs) You know, like not that I'm a sad boy that's a loner, but uh, it's one of those things where I've always wanted a family. And now that I'm finally like going out and embarking on this journey of mine, it's like, it's starting to hit me like, oh, I'm moving away from my family. I'm moving away from everyone I know to a completely random city. And it makes you think about, oh, you want to spend time with, like you want to have someone there with. If you don't relate to that, then I don't (laughs) know. (laughs) I'm sure everyone's had that fear. (laughs) Exactly. For sure. Okay. Awesome. Then the second one is what would you say is your definition of failure? I'd say my definition of failure is when you do not live up to your own expectations because you cannot live up to other people's and still be okay with it. But if you don't live up to yours, then that's when you truly have failed yourself, I guess. The thought that you leave things on the table that you could have done is what really kills me. So I I relate to that. Okay. So let's talk about you and your personal habits now. What is one thing that you do, one habit that you have that has contributed to your success in life and in sports and in general? Uh, I think having a work ethic. And I don't want to say that as like a general thing, but for sports, at least, like I tell people I'm high motor, which means you do what you're supposed to do. And then you do as much as you can on your own. 
And that's one of those things where like, it's just extra reps. You want to be doing, you want to be the guy or the person that does extra everything. You know, if you're in a new job and you don't understand something, then you're going to spend time at home or extra time on the job. Maybe you're not clocked in learning how to do it right. And so my parents were always big advocates on if you do it right, you only have to do it once. But if you don't do it right, then you'll just be, you'll have to keep doing it until you do. And so putting in the extra time when no one expects you to, that's kind of the biggest thing that has pushed me to where I'm at. I love that. Next question. What is the best piece of advice that you've ever received in your life? It's probably trust yourself. Just easy and quick. And I've heard it from multiple different people at multiple times in my life. But I think at certain times it meant more for sure. And it's one of those things that you constantly have to hear at different stages of life. Cool. I mean, it goes into everything that we talk about. I think most of our listeners are out there and they just, they might have self-doubt because they are on the verge of starting a new business or on the verge of starting and taking the leap to pursuing their dreams, but they have that little bit of self-doubt. I know I have. I know I still do in terms of this podcast, especially because I'm still just getting it up and going, but you still have to trust yourself. You have to trust that you can make the outcome great, regardless of what your experience level is now, because that's Mm going to change. By putting in the work, obviously, you're going to become more experienced and be able to get that output. But I think too often, we have people who look at their experience level, and they see that it's very low, and they look at their desired output level, and they see it's very high, and they see that there's a big gap, and they're like, oh, that's too much. I can never get to that point. And so they don't even try But just by doing that, just by doing anything, putting in the extra reps, like you said, that gap's going to decrease until eventually you hit the goal. It's just Mm -hmm. a matter of taking action and doing those little things day in and day out. Oh, absolutely. So last question in the lightning round here. What is your favorite book and why? My favorite book is Easily Relentless by Tim Grover. And it's a sports psychology book. And Tim Grover is the trainer of Michael Jordan and Kobe Bryant. And he kind of goes into detail about the mindsets that they have and what makes them so great. And it just, everything about the book is just amazing. Everything, it was just so eye-opening to me. I swear every page had at least one or two one-liners that I just would be worthy enough to get like a tattoo of or like put up on the wall or something like that. And so... I just loved reading that. And I like, it's a book that I'll probably read at least once a year or every other year. I've heard of that one. I haven't read it yet. So I need to put that on my list and check that out still because it's great. Let's end here just with a couple questions really quick. Number one Mm -hmm. is if you could say anything to our listeners out there, to all of our dreamers and people who are chasing their pursuing their passions and doing all of that, what is one piece of practical advice that you could give them to help them reach their goals? I would say just keep going. You know, there's so many times where something comes up and you just kind of want to stop. And whether it's to stop to catch your breath or stop to, you know, reevaluate or stop just to stop in general, I've found that the most success I've had in sports and in life in general is to just keep going no matter what. Always be rolling forward or, or rolling at all, you know, because too many times we get caught up on the little things and then that just turns into a bigger and bigger problem. Whereas if you're just keep going forward, you're just pushing forward, even when you don't think there's anything there, good comes out of it. I love that so much. I think that's super applicable to everyone. Like we're always going to hit roadblocks, but 
if we stop in those moments, we're never going to do anything. We're just going to be stuck. So I love that a lot. Last question really quick, just for all of our listeners out there. Seriously, Corbin is awesome. Like you guys, you guys would learn a lot from, from Corbin. I know I've really grown to appreciate our friendship and just getting to know him. I know that he's an awesome guy and he's going to do big things out there. So for all of our listeners, Corbin, where can they find and connect with you? Uh, You can connect with me on uh, Facebook or Instagram. I'm mostly on Instagram at Corbin underscore JK. And yeah, I love talking to people, hearing from people because everyone has stories. And that's what I've come to learn a lot is everyone's got their own story in life. And I love hearing about that kind of stuff. Awesome. Yeah. Take him up on that because he's seriously, he's the man. No, no, you are bro. (laughs) Last but not least, we've got the draft this weekend. (laughs) I have to ask this. Is there any team in particular because of their system or scheme or anything that you would want to go to the most? That's hard. I have two trains of thought for that. The first train is location wise, because everyone always asks location. And to be honest, like I wouldn't mind going anywhere. You know, whoever I can play for, I will. But it would be fun to play for the Raiders. Not that I grew up a Raiders fan, only because they're coming closer to home. It's close enough where I could see my family often. My brother plays out in New York and he was in Baltimore. And I never got to see a game until I got injured, actually. And like the opportunity opened up. But that would be nice. But then when it comes down to it, it's like you said, wherever I fit best. And there's a couple of great schemes out there. Uh, that I would fit in well. The Bengals have a, a defense I'd fit in well with. The Browns, the Eagles, the Cowboys, the the Rams. So luckily there's enough out there that I know I could fit in decently. Awesome. Well, I look forward to seeing where you end up, man. It's going to be exciting. We've got the draft okay, this weekend. So we'll see what goes on. And I'll keep all you listeners updated and let you know where Corbin ends up. <laughs> Appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for being on again, Corbin. You've been awesome. No worries. Thank you, man. Okay. So I just wanted to follow up really quick. I'm sure a lot of you guys are curious as to what Corbin's up to now. He just recently signed with the New Orleans Saints of the NFL. So he's out there now putting in the work, going through the grind to be able to make his dreams a reality. It's super inspirational. And I am looking forward to seeing what he does out there because I know that With his motor and with his work ethic, he's going to make big things happen for himself. If everyone listening to this episode can just go and take a minute to send him a DM on Instagram or go follow him and support him in this journey, let's show him some love there as well. His Instagram profile is in the show notes and let's just show him some love. Show him that we're here supporting him while he's reaching for his goals. And finally, just to end, I just wanted to take a minute and say thank you to all of you listeners, to all of you supporting us on this podcast. We launched our first episode about a month ago, and it's been amazing just to see the amount of growth and traction that this movement, that this idea has. I'm glad that I'm not the only one that sees the value in this. And it's been really, really cool because we've been able to reach over 60 reviews already on Apple Podcasts. We've been able to hit the new and noteworthy charts as well there. And we just want to keep the momentum going. So I know I sound like a broken record player, but if you haven't already, please take a minute to subscribe to this podcast and leave a review wherever you are listening. That really helps to get this message out to more people who really need it. 
We've been able to see a lot of growth since we launched a month ago, and we know that there are so many people out there who need this message. So keep taking action, keep doing the things you know you should be doing, and keep failing your way towards achieving your dreams.